Um, has anybody ever tried to take, besides Joan Payne, <laughs> try to take four chapters of Proverbs and go through that in one night in 45 minutes? Let's just say that it's... Uh, <laughs> I I, um, I wish I would have come across this book before we jumped into this series. Um, Warren Wearsby. How many of you ever heard of Warren Wearsby? Great, great um, author. Um, he wrote one of the, my textbooks in college, and it was uh, very encouraging. But he's got a lot of commentaries and stuff. This one is called Be Skillful, God's Guidebook to Wise Living, and it's a commentary on Proverbs. And uh, I love the way he lays things out, but we are too far deep to jump into a new study because <laughs> we want to jump into the book of Acts um, in September. So we're going to move forward. But I, I love the way he breaks down uh, this and he, he kind of has two different sections, um, and, and we'll go to chapter 5 here. There's, sorry. There's, um, there's different teachings out there. There's the simple scornful and the fool. Y'all have probably seen that. Uh, he has two separate, uh, two separate chapters in this book called "People Wise and Otherwise," Part One and Two. And uh, the first, the first one, he deals with the wise and the wicked. The first part, and the second part, he deals with the simple, the scorner, and the fool. And what we recognize is that when we are going through the Book of Proverbs, that in the beginning sections, it kind of lays out the individuals that you'll see throughout the rest of uh, of the book, but then it intertwines based on themes throughout the rest of the book of Proverbs. And, and so uh, I have the joy of breaking this into themes tonight. I'm going to try to do it more thematic through each chapter and then look at individuals within that theme and so if you'll bear with me, we might uh, flip around just a little bit, but I'll try to keep us within the context of, of each chapter and then move us along. Uh, Brother Mosier finished with chapter 18 last week, and so we're, jump, right? we're jumping into chapter 19, and we're going to put the, metal, the pedal to the metal. It's all right. Before we do, let's pray. I want you to remember uh, Reese Thomas. Um, he has been in the hospital since early Monday morning, about one o'clock, about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, he drove himself to the hospital uh, with a kidney stone, and they found that he does have a, a marble-sized kidney stone. But when he got there, he was in the process of having a heart attack. So they were able to, it was by God's grace, he got there in time, and they were able to put a stent in, and they've been monitoring him, monitoring him get his um, blood pressure regulated. Um, but they want to 
also put a stent into his bladder uh, before they, uh, and give a couple weeks before they actually take the stone or crush the stone. But they've moved him to UT from Blunt. So just remember him. He's kind of being moved around. And, and if some of you who know him know that his wife passed away a few years ago and his son passed away last year. And so he is, he is really reliant on nieces and nephews and his brother and his church family. And so let's uh, remember him in prayer. And any other specific request um, that you can think of? I know that we've had different ones who's been battling with AFib. Um, two in this room. Uh, good to see you guys here. And uh, we've had uh, other other things going on. We had one that was homesick with a fever, and but. Uh, God, by God's grace, they're doing better. Remember Amber. And any other requests you have? Remember Ken. Uh, he's leaking in his heart. I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> you're full of love, aren't you? Yep. Just, but do remember, he does actually have a hole in his heart. So just remember that. That God, it leaks. Yeah. It's sputtering. Father, we just give you praise. We thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you for your words. We thank you, God, that you are so gracious, that you're kind to us. We're thankful, Lord, that we have the privilege of coming before you, God, to be as one body. Lord, I pray that, that we will join together, encourage one another, be compassionate and caring for one another. As your word declares, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Lord, help us to be able to shoulder uh, each other and lift each other up. Lord, knowing that ultimately you are the foundation, you are the one who holds us, you're the one who keeps us, and you're the one that guards and protects us, Lord, and gives us life and hope. Father, bless, encourage, and strengthen each one of these specific requests that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're with me, uh, we are uh, starting with... Chapter 19, 19, good to see you, great to have all these theologians in here uh, to intimidate me, love all of you, <laughs> just kidding, but when I look at chapter 19 of Proverbs, um, I was looking at David Gusick's uh, outline of this and started to print it off and you know, I looked at, when I put it over into Word, it was 17 pages, and I started thinking, you know, we might not get through 19 in the next month if I did that. So I decided to uh, utilize another material by Warren Wiersbe. Some of you might have this on your shelf. Uh, it's called With the Word, uh, the chapter-by-chapter -chapter handbook on the Word of God, and um, has a great way of breaking down each chapter throughout the Word of God um, with a small outline and help us to focus a little bit. So I'm going to utilize that in our study tonight. And if you have the King James Version, some of your Bibles might have a theme over this, over this particular chapter, and it might say, Fear uh, Fear of the Lord leads to life. How many of you guys have that in yours? Do you have that? 
Well, mine does. Personal, yours says personal character, life and conduct. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, um, when I was looking at the, um, my New American Standard Bible, it had life and conduct over the next like three or four chapters as a, a, an ongoing life and conduct. But, you know, if I was to pick out a verse out of chapter 19 that kind of gives the essence of that chapter, I would look at verse 22, and it says, let's see. And I might be wrong. 23, there you go. Thank you. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. And I think that really gives us the lead-in for this, this chapter. And, and so there's a couple, or there's actually a few different characters in this. And we, look, we can look at the rich and poor. We can look at the wise and foolish. We can look at the father-son. Um, I feel like also that is applicable to uh, mothers and daughters. But when you look at just, for example, the rich and poor, um, it starts out as better... Uh, it is better the poor who walks in his integrity than one who, uh, perverse, one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. When I think of the rich and poor, it's better to be rich in character. Uh, I, was, I was listening to a, a teacher the other day, uh, actually in Honduras, and they were talking about God honors character. and. You know, sometimes we'll see, you know, the move of God, and we wonder, well, um, we, well, that person's not living right. Well, sometimes God honors the character of the people, right? And so God honors character. And, and, and when I think of this, it is, it is better to be uh, rich in character and poor in wealth, especially when that wealth is acquired by uh, deception, because that's kind of what verse 1 is telling us, you know, it's, it's better, it is better uh, the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is uh, perverse in his lips and, and, and is a fool. And how many times do we see deceptive things, take? how many, deception. It, it used to be that um, people would try to put a symbol on their, on their vehicle as a businessman. They'd put a Christian symbol, we're a Christian business. And, and let's just be honest, I'm, I'll be honest with you, okay? There's not a Christian symbol, there's not a clergy tag, there's not a church sticker, not one on my vehicle, because I don't want to misrepresent anybody, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, you know how I, I, I mean, I know how I drive, and I'm like, you know, if, if I make one person mad, then that reflects the church. Come on. And so I, don't, I want to be careful, because I don't want to misrepresent the kingdom, I don't want to misrepresent the church. But how many people want to wear as a badge something that they're not with deceptive motives to, to pull in different ones? Uh, I was talking to somebody about uh, he, he was a pastor and a car salesman. I said, how do you, uh, how do you line that up, dude? <laughs> I mean, because um, car salesmen can be pretty, especially used car salesmen can be pretty um, ingenious in how they represent the vehicle that they're trying to sell. <laughs> So, 
Anyhow, I think it's better to walk in integrity, better to, to have a character that, that's honest. I mean, you can look at verse 22. It says, what is, what, is, uh, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. And uh, if, if, if we are trying to gain riches without integrity, then uh, we'll, we'll learn later that it will come to nothing. Verse 4, wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his, friend, from his friends. You know, reality is, is friendships, if a friendship base is based on wealth, is it really friendship? Not really. It's not, it's not friendship at all. Verse 6 and 7 says, Many entreat the favor of the nobility, and every man is a, a friend to one who gives gifts. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more does his friends go far from him? He may pursue them but with words, yet they abandon or, or they let, let him alone. So true friendship goes much deeper, but be careful how you treat the poor because God is concerned about the poor. So then we see, so we see this rich and poor characters, but we also see the wise and the foolish characters. Wise. Wise people submit to the Lord and walk straight, a straight path or a straight way. But fools argue with the Lord and twist their way. Look at verse 3 there. The, foolish, uh, the foolishness of man twists his way, and his heart frets against the Lord. I don't know, have you dealt with folks who, are, who have come and, and their story changes four or five times before, they, before you find out the truth? I don't know if that's the, the struggle in ministry is you want to help everybody. You, you really want to, to minister to everybody who comes to the doors. But, I mean, if I could tell you how many times that that has caused me trouble because of, of the misrepresentation of what's reality. And, um, and so churches now have had to set up literally plans of how to handle needs of the community because of the abuses, because people who have not walked wisely have twisted their ways. And uh, I always tell people that crisis people will pull people into crisis. And, and that's sometimes the scenario. Um, but we do recognize that God is, God is concerned with the poor, uh, and we should have a, a heart for the poor. I mean, verse 17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, <clears throat> and he will pay back what he has given. I think it's great to have an avenue to be able to, to minister. Uh, one thing that I had to realize living in Honduras is, and have to help people realize that we'll walk through communities, but we will not be able to meet everybody's need. Even the Lord said, the poor will always be among you. And so 
If we have this hero mentality or savior complex, we'll go in thinking that we can save everyone in there from their poverty. And reality is, is that we don't have the ability to save everyone. But if we can, if we can, uh, if we can share the love of Jesus, I mean, it's like the disciples who are walking uh, on the way to the temple, and they said, "Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto you." It's not always that we give money. I mean, too many people have made it easy to throw money. But what do we have? We have something greater than money. We have the king of glory and the king of kings. We have uh, the, the power of God in us that we can show them the light of the world and give them something greater that, that uh, may not take them out of their poverty, but it will give them a new perspective on life. It will give them a hope beyond their present situation. <clears throat> the reality, I mean, sometimes I think we look at people and, and, and we see, man, they, they've done something so wise because they've gained so much. But material things is not necessarily evidence of wisdom. Verse 10 uh, tells us there, it says, luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to a ruler over, prin over, prin over princes. Um, just, because they, just because they have something doesn't, doesn't mean that they uh, have wisdom in it. <clears throat> in fact, I may understand that a, a foolish person will waste wealth. There's a, there's a poverty mentality. And that's something that, uh, that we, Kim and I, when having worked with some of the poorest in the world, in the second poorest country in the nation, in this hemisphere being Honduras, you, you see a poverty mentality. And uh, a poverty mentality, you know, in the mindset is, is I only have this month. If, if I get something, I may not have it tomorrow, so I might as well get the best I can while I've got it. And so, you know, they, it might be that they, they get $5,000. Well, someone who understands finances will understand, hey, well, I'm going to put this up and I'm going to uh, be prepared for the next crisis or the next, you know, transmission that fails or the next tires that have to be purchased or so on and so forth. But, but someone who's never had anything, they see $5,000 as, you know, the big escape and, and they'll blow every dime of it. It's... It's the false mentality of even, of even the lottery. Uh, people, how many people spend? I mean, I've, I've sat at gas stations going in and watched somebody throw down two and $300 for tickets that's like one in, you know, what, a trillion op, uh, odds of even winning this? I'm thinking if you would just put that money in a, in a basic savings account with 1% interest, you'd do better than that. But the mentality's not there. The foolish will waste wealth. Can I get a witness on that? <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> so we see, we see a different character. Every father wants wise sons who will use their inheritance wisely. We can see that in verse 13 and 14. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, 
and the uh, contentions of a wife are continually dripping or irritation. In other words, it's kind of like a faucet dripping. So we can also use that as, as like I said, uh, applicable to mothers and daughters. <clears throat> and then it goes on, verse 14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. That's a great time to say amen. How did I get an amen? I got one amen there. <laughs> amen. There's a word in Spanish called perisosa. And perisosa means lazy. Lazy sons only bring poverty. Verse 15, slothfulness cast one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Um, I'm sure that we've all had lazy moments in life. <laughs> uh, we've all had moments where we would love to just sit back and do nothing. And uh, some of us have had dads or mothers who would crack the whip on us and say, not today, boy. <laughs> I always look forward to Saturdays thinking, man, I'm going to get to just sleep in. And it seemed like mom and dad always had a project on Saturdays. I said, look, can't y'all find something else to do? Didn't y'all work all week too? Don't y'all want to just sit down? But thank God for the prudence of a father and a mother who invested in teaching their son what it meant to be diligent. And uh, the old saying is, the early bird gets the worm. And so they did everything they could to make us uh, shape us and mold us so that we wouldn't find ourselves uh, being lazy. The father who chastens his son will help him build character. Verse 18, chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. And so we see that it's hard for us to discipline. And in a world that is almost anti-discipline today, uh, we'll see in a, another chapter in a few moments the necessity of, and it even uh, encourages us to, not spare the rod. And uh, we live in a day now where uh, you, 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 get, you imply or uh, apply uh, the rod and it's almost, oh, you're abusing that child. Well, I, I can tell you now that there was a few abuses in my life, but it wasn't because the belt uh, hit my back or bottom. <laughs> I deserved every one of those. Um, and, and I... And, and blessed by the embrace afterwards. You know, when, when my dad says, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you, uh, I never understood that then. And uh, almost was like, yeah, you're not the one on the other end of this thing, you know. Um, I remember, you know, trying to get away. I thought my dad was slow, you know, and uh, never. Should we check on that? <laughs> uh, I thought my dad was slow, and here I was, a soccer player. And, I mean, you know, I was fast. I was, and so one day I decided to run from him. I, I didn't realize he was that fast. He caught me, <laughs> grabbed me by the arm, and let me realize that uh, he still was in pretty good shape. <laughs> but thank God for a godly man who loved me enough 
to hold me accountable and with not a malicious heart, but with a truly caring heart, wanted to see me operating as a young man uh, in wisdom and not lazy or foolish in my life. <clears throat> so I said, the father who chastens his son will help him build character, but the son who chases his father away will bring shame and reproach. We see that in verse 26. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine in, in such a way. Um, I don't know what your relationship with, is with your parents, but um, one of the highlights of my day is calling my mom and dad. And they're always together. And uh, today... I called, and they, they had just left the YMCA. My dad was so happy. He's worked himself back up uh, after being in the hospital. He's worked himself back up to eight miles on the bicycle at 86 years old, uh, riding that stationary bike. I'm like, Lord, I think I'd pass out at two miles. And uh, so I'm here talking to both of them and, and just being able to hear their voice, being able to ask them how they're doing, being able to hear uh, the encouraging words or what's going on in the family back home, and it's a blessing. I couldn't imagine chasing away or turning my back on. Did we do it? Absolutely. When I was a younger uh, teen um, in rebellion, um, I caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, and I think that's why today I'm so thankful for the love that I have uh, for them and the patience and re recognizing the investment that they put into me even in my most horrible moments of life. <clears throat> Sons who listen to their fathers and their father in heaven, most importantly, will stay on the right path. Amen. Verse 27 cease listening to instruction my son and you will stray from the words of knowledge so let's stick in the word right that's the crux of chapter 19 verse chapter 20 what's the thing that you have in yours do you have a theme at the top of yours Life and conduct still. Anybody have something different? Mine has, wine is a mockery. Wine is a mockery. You know, I don't know what your personal life is. Um, I, I know a lot of your personal life, but I don't know what happens in the secrets of your home. I know that there are people who have struggles with alcohol. Not that I know anybody here that has that. I know that there are people in this room who've had struggles with alcohol. Um, and, and somebody asked me, do you feel like it's okay for me to drink wine? I said, well, I, I'll say this. If the Lord had to deliver me from it, it is not appropriate for me to touch it. So the word here says wine is a mockery. Intoxicating drink arouses brawling 
and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Uh, That says a lot right there, doesn't it? When I look at this chapter, chapter 20, I know it starts with this wine is a mockery, but there's actually, I think it's chapter 21 or 22 that actually goes in more depth of talking about this subject. I think if I was to put a theme on this sub on this particular chapter, it would be, what about afterwards? What about afterwards? What happens afterwards? And so when I think about that, if, I, if, if you're wise, you will consider the consequences of your decisions and actions. If I do this, what's going to happen afterwards? If I, uh, you know... If, I'm, if I step into this room or if I go to that place or if I drink this drink, if I take a toke of that thing, what happens to me afterwards? I was um, at CR when we left. I had the privilege of sitting down with one of the guys, um, talking to him later on, and, and he said, I said, what brings you to this area? He said, well, Pastor, he, said, you, he says, I've been between here and Chicago most of my life. He said, uh, the reality is, is you probably don't want to know what's, what, what's brought me here. I said, you know, I'm not here to condemn you, brother. I'm here to encourage you. I said, because I believe the Lord brought you here for purpose. And uh, we got to talking, and I said, I'm not one to say that I've not done anything in my life. I said, the, the, the difference between me and you is I probably didn't get caught. <laughs> Some of us can probably raise our hands and feel the same way. Um, because I've done my share of, of drugs and things that I shouldn't have done. And, I, and um, he said, well, crack cocaine is what brought me here. He says, I, I was transporting. He said, I've basically spent 25 years of my life in and out of prison. He said, my mom's a staff member at a church in Knoxville. He says, and I'm thankful that God is turning my life around. And I'm, I'm here because I'm looking for accountability. I said, well, bro, you're in the right place. So we're together. But a lot of times when we are when we're younger or we're poor or whatever circumstances we're in, we don't think of the consequences. We, we, we think of uh, whatever's flashing in front of our face, whether it be, this is going to be a big payday. I had a, a friend of mine in Honduras who lives in Pandytown who uh, a guy literally laid out $30,000 in front of him and said, hey, if you will drive this boat to this place, I'll give you $30,000. Well, you know, I know it was in that boat. <laughs> he knew it was in that boat. And, and, and fortunately, he's a, a good Christian young man who said no because he knew that if he would have taken that $30,000, $30,000 is... I mean, when you consider that the average wage of a Honduran is around $250 a month, $250 a month, somebody puts $30,000 in front of you, you're talking about multiple years of wages. You're talking about being able to build your own house and be, you know, be set. And so, you know, some people who only think in the moment would take that and be like, yes without thinking of the consequences of who you are owned by now. Who are you a slave to now? Who are you accountable to now? Or what happens if you get caught? 
<laughs> Those things uh, elude, especially, especially young people. How many young people seem to be invincible, right? Like, I can do whatever I want to. Nothing will ever happen to me. They don't think about the consequences of their actions. But <clears throat> this is telling us afterward of a strong the afterward of a strong drink the afterward of a strong drink well the, it, the intoxicating drink arouses brawling it, it 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 stirs up things it causes trouble it brings trouble some people think of the intoxicating drink to to escape the issues that they have been in or to give them a peace of moment for, a, for that momentarily minute, not realizing that, that drowning uh, their tears away is only going to wake them up with more tears. I watched a group of college kids sitting at a Mexican restaurant one night run up a tab of like $600 drinking. And I'm thinking, one, I mean, I, I, I had four young kids at the time, and I'm thinking, how in the world do they afford something like that? But how often people are just wasted, wasted life, not thinking of the consequences. Well, the fact is, is the afterwards of Drinking, the afterwards of drunkenness is not pleasant, and the afterwards of starting trouble is not pleasant. We see that in verse 2. It says, uh, the, wrath, let's see, the wrath of the king is like the roaring of a lion, or the fear of terror of the king is like a roaring lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. In other words, when we start trouble, are we ready for the consequences of that? I mean, some of you I know are, are, are pacifists. Y'all have never been in fights in your life. Uh, uh, but I've been in a few, and I've, I've started a few that I really wish I would have never even looked at the person <laughs> uh, and not ended up well. Being the youngest of seven, I always thought I could beat everybody up because I got beat up at home all the time. <laughs> but <clears throat> starting trouble could lead to danger. Better, uh, verse 3 kind of gives us more clarity. Uh, to do righteous, sorry, uh, it is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. In other words, it, it's, it's, it's a better man, it's more honorable to be able to walk away from a fight than to, than to start one because anybody can start a fight. Can anybody walk away from it? That's right. How many of y'all like sleep? Like to get a little sleep every once in a while? I do. Hey, sleep's essential for good health. But the afterword of too much sleep, this word says is poverty. It says, uh, the sluggard will not plow because of winter. Therefore, he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. It goes on in verse 13 of that, in that same theme. Do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. 
Um, when it talks about that one sowing in winter, uh, the sluggard will not plow because it's winter. When you think about the winter in the uh, in the in the season and area where that is, uh, it's actually during that season that's plowing season. So, in other words, in context, it's talking about the sluggard is using the uh, is saying, "Well, it's, it's too cold." Well, literally, it was plowing season, and so. That's when you plow. It's during the rainy season when, you can, when the ground is soft. That's when you plow. In other words, this person's going to use an excuse no matter what. When he should be plowing, he says it's too cold. It's winter. And if it was, if it was sunny outside in summer, he would say it's too hot to plow. And so those who use excuses to not do, they'll be begging during the harvest and ultimately, it'll lead to nothing, and they'll have nothing. <clears throat> a crooked business deal may be profitable financially, but you will not enjoy the aftertaste of it. Verse 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward, his mouth will be filled with gravel. You see the cause and effect in this chapter, we can see uh, the afterwards being the theme through it. You may enjoy getting your inheritance now, but afterward it may, it may do you more harm than good. We see that in verse uh, 21. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Can anybody think of a story where that happened in the Word of God? The prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, he begged his dad, give me my inheritance now, right? And we, we realized that, that having his inheritance now was really an affront to his own dad. It's basically saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine now. Can you imagine the feeling, the hardship, and then in that family that this one would do it? And guess what? He got... And it goes along with basically the previous chapter in verse 19. He had friends while he was wealthy. But where were those friends when everything was gone, right? Found himself in a pig pen, right? <clears throat> That's right. Rash promises have an afterword of regret. <laughs> verse 25 says, it is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy then afterward to reconsider his vows. <laughs> I could think of many times that, that things have been offered to the church to recognize that later it'd be taken back. <laughs> but here's the, here's, the, here's the final part of chapter 12. Uh, 20 a loving but loving disciples or sorry but loving discipline has an afterword of reform we can see that in actually if you if we was I don't, I don't know what I've done on my phone um, if you go to Hebrews chapter 12 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Pretty sure I wrote that down. It says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. But, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and, his, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If, he, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No one disciplined Sorry, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained by the way. Amen. So verse, we're in chapter 21. Chapter 21, uh, we go into the Lord considers the heart. More of the same? <laughs> the Lord considers the heart. Um, verse 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers or the channels of water. He turns, he turns it wherever he wishes. Um, God can turn hearts, can't he? <laughs> and accomplish his purpose. He can also test hearts to see what we, what we are really like. We see that in verse 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That's something that, that um, for me personally, uh, you know, I recall what, Jeremiah tells us the, the heart of man is ultimately corrupt. Who can know it, right? And when somebody says, I, just follow your heart, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Let's just follow God <laughs> because the heart may lead you astray. You know, um, how, how, many, how many times have, uh, has the heart led us astray in things? Well, just follow your feelings. Mm-mm, dude. <laughs> There's a whole lot of mornings I don't feel like some things, but you gotta keep on going. Don't follow, you can't follow your heart. You can't follow follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Let the Lord lead your heart. Let the Lord put desires in your heart. Let Him uh, weigh things 
Uh, no wonder the Word of God says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We walk in the Spirit, we'll follow the Lord and not the flesh, the heart of man. <clears throat> he wants both righteousness and justice in our lives, not simply empty religious ceremony. See that in verse 3. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I, I was thinking about that and I was reminded of another scripture in Mark chapter 12. It says, Jesus also taught, beware of, the, of these teachers of religious law. For they, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces. And now, and sorry, and how they love to sit the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head table at the banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their po uh, property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. And then it goes into a story that I believe kind of brings it all together, starting with verse 41 of Mark. Chapter 12 says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. <clears throat> God wants us to be righteous and just, not just involved in the ceremony. In other words, not just acting out, having a form of godliness, but also walking in the power of it. Amen. All right, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Promise. So when I see this scripture, God sees, God sees the, the heart, and the Lord considers the heart. He sees the heart. God sees everything about us. He also sees the wickedness. He sees wicked, the pride. We see that in verse 4. Um, we said the, um, the haughty look and a pride. I'm sorry, a haughty look, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. He sees, the, he sees the pride. He sees the violence. You see that in verse 7. The violence of the wicked will destroy, will destroy them because they refuse to do justice. We see the evil desires in verse 10. We see the false confidence in verse 12. We see sinful sacrifices in verse 27 and hardness of heart. And 29, and he will judge them all in due time. The wicked may try to outmaneuver God, but God will have his way. We see that in verse 30. It says, there is no wisdom of, or understanding or counsel against the Lord. They might try to strive against the Lord, but there's no overcoming the Lord. You know, I, when I saw that verse 7, 
the violence of the wicked will destroy them. In other words, it will drag them away because they refuse to do justice. I think of the time that we're living in, even right now, and the violence that we see going on around our world. Um, my, my heart is at peace because I know who I serve. And, you know, we, we're probably at more peace than some of the other parts of the world because we live in such a, um, a, a more Bible Belt society. But ultimately, I realize this, that their violence is going to drag themselves away. They'll end in destruction. Those who keep following this pattern, those who permit this pattern, those who promote this pattern, it'll be them who fail. And the righteous, those who use wisdom, those who walk in the favor of God, those who are sensitive to the Lord, whose heart is after God, they will rise up. And it will be them who rule and reign and those who trust in the Lord, right? Amen. So, No matter what resources men may lean on, only God can give us success. Verse 31 of that, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. No matter what resource we lean on, ultimately God's the one who brings us through. We have to put our faith in God alone. All right, 22. See, we're moving forward. I'm sorry, guys. This is, a, this is a lot to chew on, honestly. There's, if, if we were to go verse by verse, whoo, Lord. Um, wow. Anyway, be patient. <laughs> so if, if I look at chapter 22, uh, even the way it starts off, I would, I would declare that the whole chapter, really the theme is the value of a good name, the value of a good character. If you, measure, if you measure life by riches, you will be disappointed. God made both the rich and the poor, and both are important to him. We see that um, in verse 2. I'll go ahead and read verse 1 and 2. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The Lord has made us all, hasn't he? Uh, Luke, I'm going to read this. Luke 6. I think I put it. Luke 6, starting with verse 20, says, Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now. For you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son Son of Man's sake. Verse 23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the... Their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 24, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall 
hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. In other words, it's best to walk in humility, right? It's best to have good character. It's best to have a good name rather than the riches and fame. So in other words, if I was to say, let's, let's, let's major on the majors. The major would be character, a good name, and not on great wealth. Money can buy fame, uh, but not a good name. You, <clears throat> if, you're, if you're proud, God will give you, let's see, sorry. If you're proud, all you may get is money. But if you're humble, God will give you honor and life along with wealth he wants you to have. Um, when, I, when, it's, when I says humble, but I believe also it's the fear of the Lord because we see that in verse 4. It says, uh, "Be by humility and the fear of the Lord, this is in chapter 22, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. <clears throat> Here's another one verse, in verse 7. It says, the riches, the riches rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. I haven't forgotten verse 6. I'll get back there. <laughs> I'll get back there. I'm just uh, following one theme first. <laughs> um, don't allow debt to put you in bondage or the love of money to cause you to oppress others. You know, I, I was walking into a store in Honduras. And, uh, you know, the store attendant was required. They were pushing credit cards because most people don't have credit cards down there. So they're trying to push credit cards. Well, you know, we, we get tore up because, you know, our credit cards are, what, 16 to 25%. Um, mo most credit cards are that much. If you, if you have them down there, I mean, there's not a chance you could pay those things off. They're like 28 to 35% interest to use a credit card if you leave that on there. So I looked at that little girl that was trying to offer me this. I said, are you trying to put me in bondage? <laughs> of course, I'm speaking Spanish to her. I said, are you trying to enslave me? She goes, what? No, no. <laughs> I said, well, this is what the Word of God says. I said, the borrower is slave to the lender. I said, so if, you, if you're offering me this, you're offering me a chain of bondage, and I don't want to see anybody in bondage. Do you? She says, no. <laughs> I had that little girl so tore up. <laughs> but how many times, how many people live outside of their means? Now, look, I, I get it. Some people get stuck because of tragedy or incidences that have happened and they, they use something, uh, they use a card in place of, of seeking other means or maybe they feel like they don't have any other means. And I hate that because people get into bondage to credit cards that way. But how many people live to, the, to, 
to the max of their credit just to have toys, just to, just to keep up with everybody else. I did a class, uh, I did the um, financial peace class, and, and out of like six couples, it was almost like there was $2 million in debt. And um, what's, what's crazy is, is that two of those couples, I watched their journey, literally went and sold almost everything they had. And, and turn their life around. They, they, they then begin to save, turn their life around, begin to save, and then one by one bought things for cash as they turned their life around. One of those families is, is actually goes to this church now and to see their life and how their, their own kids now live in financial freedom because they turned their lives around at a young, at a young couple's age. But... Here they had they had multiple motorcycles, they had boats, they had camper, you know, they had they had everything they wanted. But yet they were living to the max of their debt. In other words, if one of them was to lose a job, everything would be lost. And so many people live in that manner of lifestyle. Oh, well, well, I can afford it because I can pay this amount of payments. But the Bible tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. That's why when you go through the big cities and you see the big tall buildings, it has City Bank on it, <laughs> and it has Chase Bank on it because they got all the money. That's why they got the big houses, and we get the small houses. All right. I'll get off my high horse on preaching on money. <laughs> <clears throat> verse 16 to go along with that though says he who oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty and the idea is there is that um, if you give gifts to the rich just to get favor or just to find favor you'll end up poor no matter how rich or poor you may be it is the integrity of your life. It is the integrity that, that shows up that really counts. Even the king, probably the richest person in the land, pays attention to, to the people of character. We see that in verse 11. It says, he, verse 11, He who loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips, the king will be his friend. And then also in verse 29 it says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings, and he will not stand before unknown or obscure men. Right? All right. Guess what, guys? We can jump to verse 20, chapter 23. Don't. <sighs> Fire it up then. Okay. Train up a child in the way it should go. We might have to end on chapter 22 tonight then. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, when I think of this, this scripture, the, the, the verse reveals two specific ingredient, ingredients in the prescription for raising your children or rearing your children, as some would say. Train up 
a child and the way it should go. And the second is the promise that he will, when he is old, he will not depart from it. When I look at that word train up, it, there's three different aspects to this word train up. Train up, it, 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 does, it does not denote just, I think, sometimes we think of corporal punishment, but rather includes the idea, three specific ideas of, of discipleship. Dedication, number one is dedication. This is the consistent meaning of the word. Um, it, is, it is, you've seen it, the same word stating dedication in other places throughout the Old Testament. So first of all, I believe that in training up your child, you have to be dedicated. How many know that kids need to see consistency? Because when we are inconsistent in our model of discipline, kids know when they can get away with something. Right? If we, are, if we get to church and we say, don't run in church, don't do this, don't, don't, and then we get home and we let them do whatever they want to, we've shown them the inconsistency. If we are at church and say, you don't talk bad about this person, then we get home and we talk about people badly, we show inconsistency. If, if we say, clean your room, or you can't go out, and then when we're tired and don't feel like cleaning the house, we let it get all messy, we show inconsistency. Kids need a stable, consistent manner and we that part of that dedication is being dedicated to being consistent in our training up a child and that's an amen and oh me right the second part of that is is instruction because let me say let me go back and say this when we say dedication first of all first and foremost we have to realize that children are gods we're stewards of this gift that god's given us the Bible says that, that uh, children are from the Lord, you know, tells us that, hey, uh, have your quiver full, quiver being arrows, likens children to arrows. It's ours in the process of, of directing as stewards, directing our children in that path, right? So we have to be dedicated to realize that, one, they're, they're just, they're gods and we are stewards of that. Are we directing them into the right path? The next thing is that, that we see in that word train up is instruction. This is the... This is the, the meaning of the word as, as it's used in the Jewish writings. The parents are to instruct or cause their children to learn everything essential to pleasing God. Don't we want to teach our kids everything they need to please God? Well, that's, that's part of that. And the last one is motivation. This is the meaning of the word in the Arabic. The same word in, is used in Arabic. It says, as it is, it's used to describe the action of a, a midwife who's, who stimulates the palate of a newborn babe to, to get them to nourish, to get them to nurse. So we are to, we are to put a desire in our kids for truth. We're to make them hungry for the things of God. Isn't that crazy? Come on. How are we making our kids hungry for the word of God? Are we manifesting the things of God in our life at home? Are we excited about when God does something? Are we, 
when we, when we go through strife or trials, do we show forth a peace of God in the midst of that trial, saying, hey, letting our kids realize that, hey, when you have God with you, you can walk through these storms and know that you're going to be all right? Do, do we manifest that? Do we show that, that lifestyle in front of kids? That allows kids to say, you know what, what they have, my parents have been real. They've gone through stuff, but, man, they've always been joyful. They've always been able to walk out of, through that, those things with such a passion and desire for the Lord, I want what they have. Does that make sense, guys? You told me to go in this, right? <laughs> right. So then there's the, the, the second part of that verse is the recipient of training, the child. There's multiple, there's like seven different words for, ch- for child in the Hebrew, but this specific word would denote dependent. So in other words, train up a child. Train up those who are dependent on you in the way they should go. In other words, if they're still in your home, then they're still a dependent on you. They're still eating from your refrigerator. They're still sometimes, you know, using your, well, they're using your air condition. <laughs> they're using the bed that you bought, <laughs> Right? using the toilet paper and everything else in your house. Now, they might be paying their own insurance by now, or they might even be, uh, they might even be uh, paying their own gas bill. But guess what? As my mom always said, you live in my house, you follow my rules, right? So they're still dependent on you. So in other words, as long as they are dependent on you, you need to be equipping them, training them, motivating them in this manner. So that then when they get old, now the word old uses another word for child, but it uses the word that would mean denote dependent or independent, sorry, independent. So when they become independent, once they have grown up as a dependent in your home and you have let them spread their wings and now they're independent, it says they will not depart from the truth. So our goal, our desire is to, as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that is the, if I was to give a clear picture of what that looked like, train up a child the way it should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. It is that, that phrase that Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Well, I failed you because I did not get through with chapter 23 and 24. But we're going to move on, and I think the sixth, Rissandra is going to be speaking, and she's going to speak on Proverbs 31. She's going to, huh? 30 and 31. She's going to, she's going to close this, this book out, and I know she will, she's a great teacher, do a great job and look forward to, to hearing her do that. And then, the, I think that's on the 6th, isn't it? And then the following Wednesday, we'll jump into Acts. And so uh, I'll be looking at some of you to, to um, take a, a chapter or a specific topic, and we'll go through the book of Acts. Amen. Thank you guys for being patient. I know that... We are sloshing through.
<laughs> and it's somewhat difficult and can be long, laborsome, laborious, uh, but uh, I'm thankful that you guys have been dedicated and faithful to walk through this, and uh, I'm just thankful to see people who are hungry for the Word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We thank you for your Word. Lord, thank you, God, for giving us this book of Proverbs. Uh, so much wisdom, so much truth. Lord, uh, I love the way that Dr. Mosier uh, encouraged people to read. If you take one chapter per day over a month that has 31 days, you'll read each one and, and letting that be a part of our routine so that this wisdom seeps into us, that we that we just meditate on your word and allow these truths to truly uh, engage us and teach us and strengthen us. Lord, I pray that you'll just bless each one of us, give us strength to carry on, give us the courage and boldness to live this life out. And Lord, let us uh, walk in your spirit, Lord. Father, thank you for all you're doing, for your, what, you're, what you have planned for us. And we look forward to giving you the glory and everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I think there is a, a kid, a little girl's tea um, on the 26th Saturday. If you have a granddaughter or if you have a daughter uh, ages, I think it's what, 5 to 11? Is it up there? 4 to 12. Um, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, they're going to have a great time. Uh, being a part of that. God bless you guys.